Hello, I'm Sonal Ronello, co-founder and CMO of Hello Career Guru. We so appreciate your listening to this podcast. Hello Career Guru is a company committed to helping all women advance professionally. Launching soon, Hello Career Guru will offer women one unifying online platform for developing their personalized career game plan, powered by Executive Insights. For this episode of the Guru Salon, we have Laura Daly, founding partner of Insight Learning Partners. Laura is a published author, executive coach, and workshop facilitator. As a consultant to major corporations, as well as in-house roles, she has helped over 14,000 people enhance their communications impact and therefore their success in the workplace. Her book, Talk Your Way to the Top, has been translated into five languages. We are so thrilled to have you here with us today, Laura. Well, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So before we jump into some of the questions, um, please share a little bit more about your background and how you got to where you are. (laughs) Yeah, I think I took a very circuitous route, which I know a lot of people do. Um, I was working, I was going to graduate school to get my graduate degree in education, but at the time there was no teaching jobs. So I I decided that, you know what, I don't want to do that anyway. I want to go into marketing. So I went to get my MBA. And through all that, I met this gentleman from Citibank who was so awesomely cool. And he said, come work for us. And I said, but I don't want to work for a bank. I'm not a banker. And he said, um, but what we're doing is selling educational products and services to correspondent banks. So it's kind of the same thread that you're interested in. And I went to work for him and it was the greatest thing I ever did because I spent seven years in a variety of different jobs within Citibank where I was in sales, sales management, operations management. I even did commercial lending for a little while, but it gave me such a nice backdrop of experience to do what I do now. That's amazing. It's not the path you expected. I love to hear that that story. Yeah. So one of the things I know you talk about is how within the corporate world and in life, we need to be able to ask for feedback. Um, Can you say a little more about that? Yeah, I think... So even especially in today's virtual environment, where so much of our communication is administrative, we end up getting less feedback than we would normally if we were even just passing in the halls or sitting in a meeting together with our boss or even our peers or even the people that work for us. So we don't have those same casual opportunities now, which make it even worse. So therefore, we go through all of this time hoping we're doing a good job, you know, hoping there aren't too many caverns in there that are getting in our way, but we don't know for sure. And then annual review time comes around and we're terrified. So the way to move away from that is to ask for feedback on a more regular basis. So when there's things that merit feedback, like you put together a presentation for a group of people you don't normally do that for, ask for feedback from your boss. Or if you're um, brought in a client that is different than the ones you've dealt with in the past, ask your boss how he or she feels about that. And in that way, you can incorporate that into what you do going forward 
And for most people, what they find out is, wow, I'm actually better than I thought I was. Well, that's, that's nice to hear. I do think, as they say, hope is not a strategy, and especially <laughs> not when managing your career. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of feedback, what I like about what you've shared is doing it sort of immediately after or close into a concrete event because it makes it tangible for both sides. Yes. Right? The person giving the feedback and the person receiving the feedback. So that's great advice. Um, why do many of us avoid asking for that feedback then if we inherently know it's good for us? <laughs> I think it's like going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we know that long term it's going to be good, but we're so afraid for what's going to happen for those few minutes. Um, to put it in terms that many people use, I think it's the imposter syndrome. I really do. You know, as an old boss of mine said at once, he said, we all walk around with this locked box in our stomachs. And he said, there's really nothing in the box. But we get our first, we graduated from college, we get our first job, we get promoted into another job, and somehow we get promoted into another job. And then we sit down for an annual review with somebody and we say, oh my gosh, they have found the key to the box and they realize there is nothing in it, nothing. And I think we all have that kind of innate imposter syndrome feeling. And part of it is because we don't get feedback enough because if we did, then we wouldn't feel that way. Well, and to your uh, prior point, uh, we can be pleasantly surprised, right? That hopefully the person giving feedback is well-versed that you should be doing reinforcing good things in addition to finding areas to improve. So um, yeah. that's, that'd be interesting to do a study to see how many ended up feeling better than they thought they would after their review. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think 98% would. I really yeah, do. Especially if they know how to ask for feedback so they get more balanced feedback. Oh, so that brings up an interesting point. What what do you mean by balanced feedback? Well, not what people typically think of as balanced because we are made up of a whole bunch of good skills and behaviors and aptitudes. And additionally, there's things that we need to build on top of that. But the good stuff greatly outweighs the bad stuff, or we wouldn't be in the jobs we're in. So what feels like balance to someone is three pieces of feedback on things that they did well and should keep doing. And then one piece of feedback on a change, do more of, to make them even more effective. That's what feels balanced, three to one. So that's a good metric. Um, you talk about, uh, there's one, uh, one company uses this expression, radical transparency, to describe how their organization should give feedback. Uh, how, what are your thoughts on that concept? <laughs> um, well, what I've heard from people who have had radical transparency is it's, it's, um, speaking with no filters. And, and as a result, it tends to cause people to be very, very defensive because, you know, our first job in life is to take care of ourselves because nobody else is going to do it unless we do. So if feedback feels like we're being attacked, we are going to place this force field around ourselves and either decide, well, they're an idiot, so I'm not going to listen to them, or here's all the reasons why I did this. 
So I was right. And in the process might not actually be hearing something that would be helpful for us going forward. So I think there's, there's a process of giving, in this case, developmental feedback that people can actually hear and act on. And that's an interesting point around act on because I do believe I've been in reviews where I was given the feedback, but not necessarily thinking through the action plan to get better or to resolve it, whether it's on me or it's an organizational solution or an external solution. So to me, that would seem to be a really important part of the process. Yeah, definitely. And often the reason for that is because the feedback is not specific enough. Okay. So as a result, you have to interpret and figure out what to do going forward. You know, my kids are innately good at this. And when my daughter was just two years old, we had gone to my in-laws for dinner and we came home. She fell asleep in the car. I was getting her out of her car seat. And she said, mommy, next time we go to grandma's, will you please bring my purple jammies? That way I can put them on there and you don't have to wake me up when I get out of the car. And I thought, oh my God, she's brilliant, right? Because there was no point in telling me what a jerky mother I was, not to have thought of that in the first place, because I can't change it. So kids, kids innately know that you can only change and impact the future. And that's the same thing with feedback. So instead of telling somebody on the, on the change side, you did this wrong, what is it you want them to replace that with? What are you looking for going forward that would make them even more effective? Well, and that puts some responsibility on the person getting the feedback, right? Help me understand it well enough that I can take action with that feedback. Which Absolutely. It's really an important uh, sort of finer point to the whole process of giving or getting uh, feedback. Uh, another term we hear around feedback is constructive criticism. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I think it should be called destructive criticism because I think in all of our heads, criticism is negative. It's a critique. It feels like finding things wrong. It doesn't feel like finding things right, which in theory, a critique is all of that. So get away from that word altogether and let's look for giving feedback on what people did well and it would behoove them to continue to do that and what they might do or do more of that would make them more effective. And then we don't have to talk about critiques where somebody's the judge of somebody else. You know, yeah. when we get feedback, we are just, we are giving our opinion, no matter who we are. <laughs> and the person we give the feedback to can choose to accept it or not accept it. You know, that really is up to them. So I think we have to remember that in that process, that we're not the judges. We are giving some insight that we have that we think might help them. Well, and, and to that point of, uh, the sort of what, what feels a little bit subjective, the role of measures or measurement and metrics, how do you integrate that into the conversation? Yeah, it's um, a good point. Um, I guess what I think about in terms of measuring it is, are people really looking to measure by number? 
which is what we typically think of as measures? Or are they looking to measure by results? Or are they looking to measure by people's perceptions? You know, in the executive coaching that I do, often so much of our work is around changing people's perceptions. Because an individual can change, but it takes a while till people see that person differently. You know, if, if I think that that's Sonal, if I thought that you were um, um, not focused enough when you did your presentations, and the, the next time you did a presentation, it was so focused and so right on, I'd say, oh, that was weird. And then, and then the second time you did it so focused and right on, I'd say, wow, that's just weird. And then the third time I'd start to say, okay, maybe Sona has actually changed in this way and it's really helping her. So it takes a while to change perceptions. That, and in corporate America, that's a big part for people because if you're looking to figure out how you can develop your career, there's all kinds of people that are making those decisions without you in the room. So how can you change their perceptions so that those decisions do things that you feel good about? That's a really good point. And what is, we've touched upon this, are there other dimensions to what makes good feedback? What yeah. makes it useful and usable? Yeah, yeah um, we talked a little bit about balanced as being three to one. And the reason that's so important is because People will not typically accept feedback from someone unless they think they see value in them already. So the three to one helps with that. Here's all the value I see in you, keep doing this, and here's a suggestion for what to build on top of that. So balanced. Feedback needs to be useful. And what makes it useful, we, we threaded into this before also, the specificity of it. So if, if somebody tells me that I need to make my presentations more crisp, in fact, that might be a good suggestion, but my interpretation of crisp and yours and the other person are different things. So really understanding, well, what does that mean? Um, within an eight minute time slot, so you have two minutes left for questions, or does it mean only using five slides? Or does it mean rearranging the way I talk so I'm using less words? You know, there's all kinds of things that that could mean. And if nobody tells me, I'm going to use my own interpretation. And that may or may not be right. Why do we tend to remember only the feedback we got that is negative? <laughs> um, partially because people don't know how to give good feedback. Because <laughs> if they did, we would remember the positives. I have a, a memory from third grade. I had this teacher in third and fifth. So to tell you the truth, I don't know which year she gave me this feedback. Miss Nichols was her name. And we had to write a different ending to a book. And so I wrote the different ending to the book and she wrote on it, it's so nice that you could see things from other people's perspectives. And that's gonna help you a lot as you go forward. And I never forgot that. Never, ever. It was a very specific piece of positive feedback. 
And ever since then, I always find myself trying to think from the other person's perspective, which is also called empathy, which is actually a good thing no matter what you do in life. So I, I think it's because of the lack of specificity that we only remember the negative. And also because we have to protect ourselves, like we talked about before, because nobody else is going to do it. That's right. Uh, so as a leader, um, how can I give feedback that's really heard and then used ultimately? Mm -hmm. My goal is to make my team better. Well, I'm so glad that's your goal. And the first piece I would put on there is to ask the individual what they are working on, what they would like feedback on. Because feedback always is more heard if, if it's solicited from somebody. Now, it doesn't mean as their leader that you can't give them feedback on other things. You can, because that's your job but ask them what they're working on, what they want feedback on, and then base it on that. And then it goes back to the balance. And the third part, which is one of the things Ms. Nichols did for me, was she told me why. Why was that gonna help me in the future? It's like uh, my daughter Kelly, when she was telling me about the purple jammies, and she said, and then you can just take me right from my car seat to bed. That's the why. And whys help people remember it and call on it for later situations. So as a leader, the nicest thing you could do is be balanced, be specific in what you talk about, and tell people why to keep doing this, or why adding this will be a helpful thing. That's really great insight, great feedback. I wish I'd had this earlier in my career, <laughs> this conversation <laughs> for sure. So flipping that a little bit, let's say I'm the one that needs to prepare for a review. And this is probably, I'm thinking a more formal review once a year or twice a year. Right. What are some opportunities and ways for me to really make sure I'm prepared to engage in the right conversation because more and more organizations really seem to be having this more of a two-way dialogue versus just the, the superior person giving their advice or perspective. But it feels like come prepared with what you think you need to work on, how you think you've performed during the year. So what are some ways to prepare for that? Yeah, so you're talking about the person getting the review, correct? Just correct. so I can clarify. Yeah, I, I would go with the power of three which is a great role to prepare for pretty much everything. <laughs> what are the three things you want to make sure in this case, you either learn or get across to your manager. And if you have those as your headlines in your head, you're much more likely to get what you need out of it. So I would say that that would be one way to prepare. The other is to ask for feedback on a regular basis. Because if you do that, then when it comes annual review or a mid-year review, there are no surprises. It's just a, a, something that the organization needs to do to put it on paper. But you and your leader are both clear about where you're going. That's great. So as we sort of wind down our conversation, I have two more questions for you. Sure. One is, again, speaking to people who are leading teams, leading others in the organization, uh, what, what do you want them to take away from this 
podcasts in terms of the role that they fundamentally play in people's careers and development? I think that you have more power than you think you do as a leader. That you can lift people up in a way that they're motivated and inspired to do more for the organization than they would have otherwise. You have the power, but there has to be lots of conversation going on so that everybody's talking on the same page. Everybody understands what needs to be done. Um, there was one study that was done that said that if you do not like your manager, that when you are not at work, that 72% of your time is spent thinking about how much you don't like that manager. Hmm. And that's so sad, isn't it? it is. So I guess to tell the leaders, they have the power in both ways, right? So they have the power to lift somebody up and help them move forward for themselves and the organizations. But they also have the power to rob people of their energy, both at work and at home. So how to develop a, a mutual trusting relationship. And we'd have to do a whole nother podcast to talk down the details of that. But trust is a key word. Empathy is a key word. So I have you on tape with that. And we will, we, I think that's a great idea for another podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, so in closing, we love to ask this question of everyone that uh, comes okay. on the Guru Salon is, what advice would you give your younger self? And it could be related to this topic of feedback and the review yeah. process, or it could be something broader. I think it would be uh, related to the topic, which is you are so much smarter and you bring so much more than you think you do. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to share your opinion. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to ask for things. Because all of that, that, that fear that young people often have, because they don't have that much experience in this area, I think often it, it takes away something that could be really, really good for them. That is an inspired message at any age, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so we so appreciate your time today. Um, your insights from your experiences are so helpful to others uh, as they navigate the road, not only as employees, but as leaders and organizational contributors. Uh, meanwhile, thanks to all who are listening to our podcast. Please check out some of our other amazing speakers and be sure to follow us on social media at Hello Career Guru. And reach out to us at guru at hellocareerguru.com with any questions or even suggestions for our future guru salons. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Sonal. Thanks, everybody.